Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this uh, wet Wednesday. Holy smoke, stay safe out there, folks. Flooding, power outages, lightning. Stay safe out there, ladies and gentlemen. I, this is like the the wettest summer in the recent history that I can remember in uh, in Tucson and pretty much in the entire state of Arizona. It has been wild. I mean, it's been... Uh, it's been raining a lot up in Phoenix as well, and uh, but man, Tucson has been getting absolutely hammered. So uh, stay safe out there on your drive to work. If you're getting ready to go in, or if you're on your way in right now, please be safe. You know, if, if Tucson is full of flash flood zones and all the dips and things like that in the roads, it's not exactly the uh, the best place for quality road. Uh, you know, whether you know, the potholes or whatever have you. Uh, not the greatest roads in the world. So uh, be careful out there. Be conscious of what you're doing. If the water looks deep, it's probably deeper than it looks, and uh, just be careful out there. Uh, it's the uh, the Jeff Dean Show here. I uh, We're here on uh, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And uh, we have a, uh, a a big show for you today. I'll, just a, a ton of things to get into, lots and lots of football talk. Um, obviously, as training camp is uh, is in still in full swing right now, we're in preseason week number one. As uh, the other football teams not named the Dallas Cowboys and Pittsburgh Steelers get ready to play their first preseason games, one of three of the, the preseason. Of course, Cowboys and Steelers, who played last week, will be engaging in their second games of the season this week. They play on Thursday and Friday, respectively. And uh, it should be – look – it's very interesting to look at, you know, who's going to be playing, what are the coaches, you know, strategies on where to start players, when to start players, which players to start, how long to keep them in for. And, of course, we got to see an inside look at that if you have uh, HBO, if you're able to watch Hard Knocks. Always an exciting watch. I, You know, I couldn't wait. I got off of work last night, came home, and immediately turned it on and uh, and started watching it. Dallas Cowboys, of course, on, on Hard Knocks this year, and it was the the release of the the first uh, first show of this uh, of this season of Hard Knocks, and I, I you know I, I drew a lot of you know interesting thoughts from it. Um, not a whole lot of new information, other than man, did years of being a head coach in Atlanta take its toll on Dan Quinn? Not in a good way. He looks old. I mean, Dan Quinn looks like he's aged about 20 years in the uh, in the several years that he was in Atlanta as the head coach. I mean, I remember, remember looking at Dan Quinn on the sidelines. Obviously, you know, in NFL games, they'd show him on TV all the time and thinking, you know, he still looks like a pretty young guy. And then I saw him on Hard Knocks last night, and he's talking, and I'm like, is that Dan Quinn? And then it, it popped up a little caption, Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator. I'm like, holy smokes, does he – does he look old? Uh, we also found out who the uh, the f bomb dropper of this uh, season of Hard Knocks will be. That is also Dan Quinn, as uh, about every third or fourth word out of his mouth is an f bomb. There's always one, right? Every every year we watch Hard Knocks, they, there's always one coach that is just bleep 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 bleep. I mean, it's uh, you know it, it happens all the time, and it's fun because 
you know, you can play your drinking games and stuff. And if they continue to show Dan Quinn on hard knocks, a lot of people are going to be getting just stinking drunk if they try to play the uh, the F-bomb drinking game during hard knocks. So um, I, I thought the most interesting things from, from hard knocks, from the, you know, the first night, and again, it's, it's just a fun insight. And HBO does a phenomenal job of filming all week and then editing and putting it on the air within like three days. It's, they absolutely do an incredible job. I don't know how they do it. I, I do a lot of editing for a living with my, with my other company up in Phoenix, and it, it, it takes time to edit all that stuff and get content together and find things that are compelling and interesting and, and, uh, and fun and entertaining and all that stuff and editing and putting together. They just do a crack job. They do an amazing, amazing work at HBO putting hard knocks together. One of my takeaways from week number one of, of hard knocks, and I haven't even had a chance to get into this just because there's been a lot going on, of course, with, Arizona sports, Arizona football specifically, and the excitement around Jet Fish and the program uh, and everything that's going on. And we will be talking some Arizona football today as well, of course. But I haven't even had a chance to really get into a lot of the topics that are out there nationally, specifically surrounding Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. So as I'm watching Hard Knocks and I'm thinking back, okay, this all happened a week and a half ago. I have to remember this. And as I'm watching him, you know, warm up, knowing what I know now would eventually happen to Dak Prescott in training camp with the shoulder strain and everything, I was essentially looking for things, looking for for holes in his game, for holes in his mechanics. And look, I am not a quarterback coach. I am certainly not anyone who should be trusted when it comes to assessing the talent level of quarterbacks because my assessment over the years – regarding just overall talent of quarterbacks, like going into the draft and stuff like that, has been very bad. I thought Ryan Leaf was going to be the next biggest thing, that he was much better than Peyton Manning. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, There have been other quarterbacks who I said, yeah, this guy's going to be really good, and they end up having like literally the worst statistics in the history of the NFL. So um, not great. Uh, I'm really good at assessing the mental aspect of quarterbacks. If I think a quarterback has mental issues – which I apparently missed with Ryan Leaf. But if I think that I have mental issues, I can usually target that. I can usually spot that right away and uh, know to stay away from them. But I digress. Dak Prescott, I knew what was going to be happening. I knew that he had a shoulder strain at some point in training camp and that that was going to come to light on hard knocks. So as I'm watching Dak Prescott in TC, practicing there, and I'm watching him throw the football, I'm noticing certain things like he's not, He's not rotating his hips when he throws the football. He's not driving with his legs. He's throwing it's, – it's all of his arm. He's, he's using his arm to throw the football. They showed a montage of him throwing deep balls and short balls and out routes and things rolling out, and it's all arm. He wasn't using his legs for anything. He was throwing off his back leg a lot. Uh, just bad mechanics, to be honest with you. I mean, all the, all the basics. I mean, people who have watched football and have studied for a little while and listened to, to some of the smart people in this business – you, you know what to look for, just the, the really, really simple, basic things. And I'm looking, I'm like, well, no wonder he has a sore shoulder. No wonder he, he strained his shoulder. He isn't using his legs. This is a very common occurrence in sports with an athlete like a pitcher or like a, like a quarterback, of course, who has a leg surgery or a foot surgery. 
They come back from the surgery. Uh, there's obviously some atrophy and things like that, that that will develop. And it's not like NFL teams are in a – uh, the most patient of of you know status, they want to get their quarterbacks back on the field as quickly as possible. We saw Jerry Jones last night talking about you know on Hard Knocks last night how he, can he can he just throw the ball? This is after the shoulder strain. Can he can he just throw short passes? He's talking to the lead trainer. Can he just throw short passes or or just you know dump offs and things like that? We need we need to keep him in practice. And the trainer's like he cannot touch a football for the next week, Jerry. Like like. I don't know how much more plainly I can tell you this. He is not allowed to put a football in his right hand for another week, period. So NFL teams aren't exactly like, oh, yeah, we'll just give him plenty of time to rehab and build up that strength in his legs and all this other stuff. No, no, no. Get him back on the field. That's what they want, okay? So players don't have a whole lot of time to do the proper rehabilitation like we would have here, you know, in our normal lives before we, you know, head off to the office and we have PT and make sure that leg is strong before we get back on the racquetball court or whatever, okay? So as a natural, you know, human being, you're going to favor certain areas of your body that have just been compromised, okay? I know it. I've had five knee surgeries in my life, and I know exactly how I feel doing activities once I was cleared to do them. It was not easy. And the thought is in your head constantly, I'm going to blow this knee out again. I'm going to blow I got to be careful. I got to watch out for this knee. I got to, I got a baby. I got to be careful. I'm not as strong as I used to be. I got to, you know, I got to, you, you tend to do all these things. And the next thing you know, you got a bad back or you've hurt your other leg or something else has happened. Okay. I noticed a lot of the same things when watching Dak Prescott and it's, it's a completely natural thing and perfectly normal thing to have happen. Dak Prescott coming off a major foot and ankle surgery that kept him out of the final 15 weeks of last season. Coming back, doesn't have quite all the confidence and strength in that leg as he once did. The mechanics have changed. He's throwing with his arm, and then bang, all of a sudden, he's got a shoulder strain. It happens. So it all comes back to recognizing your mechanics. You've got to be strong enough. To, to, to get back on the field to throw the football the way that you're supposed to. Dak Prescott did not feel like he had enough strength in his leg or whatever. I mean, honestly, if, if, you, if you watch it, you can just see him throwing with his arm. It's, there's there's ve- very little lower body input in his throws, and he's throwing zingers. Uh, so I, it, it wasn't a surprise to me as I'm watching. I'm like, yep, yeah, okay, I can, I can see now. And, and again, Having twenty twenty hindsight is is phenomenal because sitting there watching hard knocks, I knew exactly what was going to happen. It was it, it's great. You get to already know the outcome, so you're looking for things. And maybe maybe I was seeing things that that weren't really there. Maybe you know a, a personal trainer would be like, no, no, he's you know he's he's doing it right. He's he's got it right. And maybe that's why nobody said anything to him at practice or whatever. But nonetheless, it it did look awkward to me. And he then did you know several practices later have to sit out because of a shoulder strain. One of the things that that Dak Prescott was extremely frustrated about were his practice limitations. There's a there's a, a practice metric that coaches use, okay, a lot of a lot of pro coaches, college coaches, some even high school coaches use this stuff to find out essentially how active a player was during a practice session. And and 
Um, I believe in I believe in Dallas at, at Cowboy Camp with with their staff. I think they call it GPS. Um, there are other there are other metrics out there, and it's basically you you track what a player is doing, what their impact is on the field, on their body, and things like that, and you get a score at the end of the day, essentially. And Mike McCarthy was discussing with his staff following the first practice, and he said, what was Dak's GPS? And they said 550. In this particular metric, 550 is an extremely high number, apparently. Okay, So McCarthy says, that's way too much. you you got to back him off. So coach goes to – assistant coach goes to Dak Prescott the next day and is like, you're not going to get the reps that you had yesterday. And Dak was not happy. He's not satisfied with that. And understandably so. Dak is a competitor. I may not think that he is a quarterback that is going to win a Super Bowl any day for the Cowboys or for any NFL team for that matter. I just don't – there are a lot of quarterbacks who I think will never win a Super Bowl for their team. Okay, Dak Prescott is just one of many. It's not a, it's not a slight against him specifically, personally. I like Dak Prescott. I think he's, he's, he's a great leader. He tends to get more out of less. He had, obviously, that great rookie season. He picks things up well. He's smart. He works within the framework of the offense. But, you know, it, it's when it comes down to winning a football game against a superior quarterback, I just don't think Dak Prescott can do it. Nonetheless, his competitive edge is certainly there. He, he definitely has that. He was not impressed by being told, I, I, you, you got to slow down on your reps. So he is essentially, you know, standing there on the sideline, gets told you can't go in. He's standing there. He's like, nope, I'm nuts to that. I'm going in. Goes and gets Garrett Gilbert, kicks him out of the, of the huddle. He goes, I got this. I don't think Dak Prescott and Garrett Gilbert get along very well based on just what I saw in the first night of, of Hard Knocks, by the way. Just a side note there. Goes and gets Garrett Gilbert, kicks him out of the huddle, says, I got this. Sends him on his way. And now Mike McCarthy's looking at it like, why is Dak in there? Why is Dak in there? And then the next day he gets told about the shoulder strain. Kids, if you're listening, parents, you're listening, if a coach and a training staff that you trust, you've trusted your children to go and play for this coach, or if you're an adult and you're playing for a coach, if you happen to be listening right now and you're a young adult or an adult that's that's playing for a coach and you trust them and you trust the training staff because obviously if you didn't trust them, you wouldn't be playing for them. Okay? You're not forced to do it. You have choices. This is America. Okay, You obviously trust them for certain reasons. When they tell you, uh, it's probably not a good idea to be getting that many reps in practice or you need to take a rest, you need to take a break, you, you need to listen to them. And I'm not saying that Mike McCarthy was right or that he was by some some strange, you know, soothsayer looking into the future and reading the tea leaves and understanding that Dak was going to hurt himself by getting in there and having an, an extra rep in practice that day. But he had already been overworked the previous day was told to sit and relax and rest himself. The second day, he didn't do that, and the third day, he shows up, gets a shoulder strain, and now he's inactive for the first game of the season, and he's upset. Okay, If you trust these coaches and, and these trainers and this staff that you're working for, that you're playing for, listen to them. There are plenty of times where, yes, and look, this is going to happen a lot more in the pros than it will at the amateur ranks, at the college and high school and, and other levels. 
there are times when these coaches and these trainers and these, these staff members are not going to be looking out for your best interest at all times. And it's sensationalized on TV and in the movies. You know, I'm talking about fiction, okay? It's sensationalized in those areas. Don't, you know, don't believe everything that Hollywood tells you. They've duped us every single time just when you think something's real. It's like, nope, that's totally fake. We get it. We understand that. We're smart enough to realize that. But know that for the most part, okay, 99% of the time, and especially if you are an impact player on their program, that whatever they tell you is going to be the best in your interest. If they need you to rest because they feel like you're getting too much work and you're, you're being rushed back into things, take their advice, take the rest. Don't end up like Dak Prescott, frustrated and standing on the sideline with his shoulder strained because he didn't listen to his coaches. I'm not going to lay the, the blame solely on Dak Prescott. His quarterback's coach, his trainer, whomever is watching him throw balls in practice probably should have gone up and told him, like, hey, um, we need to look at your mechanics. You're not driving the ball with your legs. You're throwing with your arm. You, you, need, to, you need to get back to your mechanics. Otherwise, your shoulder's going to be sore. <laughs> okay? Somebody probably should have pointed that out to him. And, again, I was going off of the fact that I knew he had a shoulder strain watching this, so I was looking at every little nuance that I possibly could to find something wrong with his throwing motion. And maybe I was reading more into it than possible because or than what was really there because – as I said, hindsight is twenty twenty. Perfect vision watching Dak Prescott throw a football, knowing that within three days he was going to be sitting out for two weeks because of a bad shoulder strain. He had sore muscles because he threw the ball incorrectly. And again, this happens to players that have leg injuries. It happens all the time. You lose your mechanics. A couple other things that stood out to me from the from day night or day night, day one of hard knocks. Um Mike McCarthy, look, a lot of people don't like him, and I get it. Some people think he's like he's like the coach equivalent of fake tough guy. A lot of people put him in that, in that realm. He's the coach, coach's equivalent of a fake tough guy. He, he gets up there and he says all the right things, and he, he does all the, 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 the proper uh, you know, speeches and gives the rah-rah and does all that but isn't, isn't genuine about it. And I don't know. I don't know the man. I, of course, have never, ever played for him. But a lot of people have kind of mentioned that he gives off that vibe. And I can understand why. And I'm watching Hard Knocks last night, and he's giving this speech, and he's like, the playoffs aren't enough. A winning season isn't going to be enough. Getting to the championship game isn't going to be enough. It's going to be about winning that championship. That's the only thing. That's the only place our road ends is winning a, a, a world championship in the, in the NFL. And then he's talking about, I, you know, I hoisted that trophy one time, and it's heavier than you think. By the way, it's not heavier than you think. Most, almost everybody that grabs that thing says it's a lot lighter than they thought it was going to be. It's smaller than they thought it was going to be. Everybody. <laughs> McCarthy's the only person I've ever said who's said it was heavy. Regardless, uh, a lot of people thought that was a rousing speech. We'll wait to see what happens. Also, Jerry Jones, you know, some things never change, okay? And I always say this, uh, a, a leopard never changes its spots, and it's an age-old saying, basically, people don't change who they are. Once they've gotten to a certain age, people don't change. If you expected Jerry Jones to change the way he does business because 
he hasn't won a championship in 26 years since he sullied a relationship with his greatest, the greatest coach that has ever played for him, okay? Tom Landry, of course, phenomenal coach in Cowboys history and others. But as far as playing for Jimmy or for Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson, best best coach he's ever had, won three championships with him. He sullied that relationship, decided to go out on his own. It's been 26 years since the Cowboys have even sniffed a chance at winning a Super Bowl. Doesn't change. He doesn't change who he is. He has nose in everybody's business. He's trying to run the team. He's talking to trainers behind the coaches' backs, trying to see if Dak can can practice. The trainers are like, you know, you're talking to Jerry Jones, $7 billion man, right? You're talking to Jerry Jones. You're not going to be like, Jerry, shut up and let me do my job. The guy was, you know, the trainer was being respectful. Like, we really have to follow this program that we've laid out for him, blah, 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 blah. And Jerry's like, can't you just throw short balls? we got to get him out there, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't change. He, he will never change. He will never, he will never stop pushing that envelope from the owner's chair. And because of that, the Cowboys are likely to never win a world championship. As they say, owner's own, coaches coach, players play. Don't miss NFL Cover 2 every single weekday here on ESPN Tucson. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery. We've been celebrating 30 years of deliciousness from Barrio Brewing Company right here in the state of Arizona. And uh, we're happy to have them as a sponsor of NFL Cover 2 each weekday here on ESPN Tucson. We also have some FC Tucson tickets to give away. We'll be doing that sometime within the next hour and a half here on the Jeff Dean Show. We're going to talk plenty of NBA Summer League. We got D-backs, of course, blowing another game last night to the Giants. Uh, I mean, it's been kind of customary for the D-backs to do that in San Francisco. Um, also, an interesting story that came out uh, yesterday or the day before, I believe, Doug Howler of The Athletic uh, wrote a story, and, and he spoke with eight high school coaches here in the uh, in the city of Phoenix and the surrounding areas here about the teams that have been recruiting their schools. Very interesting quotes from some of these coaches. We'll talk about that. We've got a whole lot more to go. Here, it's the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Talking all kinds of sports here is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We've still got some FC Tucson tickets coming up at any point in time. Be ready for your cue to call. You can win a pair of tickets to go watch some soccer this weekend at Keno North. Baseball action last night, which you heard right here on ESPN Tucson, as we are the flagship, Tucson's flagship for Diamondbacks baseball. You can hear it once again here tonight, 6 p.m., Diamondbacks at Giants. The D-backs lose to the Giants 8-7 to last night. And a bottom of the ninth error by Christian Walker. Um, so Chris Bryant at the plate, two outs, runner at third, and the D-backs are in the shift. Okay, They're in the uh, the left field shift, left infield shift. So first baseman Christian Walker is out there on an island by himself managing the entire right side of the infield. Chris Bryant lines a shot to right. I mean, just right at Christian Walker, essentially. He has to move a little bit to his right to get to it, but he was in good position. He, of course, had to play up because of the the shift in the player being at third. So he's playing up. Chris Bryant smashes a ball at him, 
He's not able to, to handle it, gets up, throws the ball away. Chris Bryant slides, hook slides into first base, which you don't see very often. Hook slides into first, is safe. Lamont Wade scores the, uh, the game-winning uh, run, and the Giants go on to win. Giants are now 13-2 and versus the Diamondbacks this season. Again, that's to be expected. Best record in baseball, worst record in baseball. That's kind of what you're expecting. The D-backs currently lead the race for the number one draft pick in Major League Baseball. They have a four-and-a-half game lead over Baltimore. And I know a lot of people took to Twitter last night and said that that's the reason why Tori Lovello refused to challenge a play at third base during the eighth inning last night, where it appeared that Nick Ahmed had beaten the throw by Giants center fielder Mike Yastrzemski. Now, look, I get it. Fans are dialed into this kind of thing, and they're like, we got to get the number one pick, got to get the number one pick. I guarantee you Tori Lovello is not sitting there on the bench last night saying to himself, well, if I if I challenge this and Ahmed is and it's overruled and Ahmed is safe, that gives us a you know thirty three percent chance to win this baseball game, and we might not get the number one pick because we only have a four and a half game lead and it might be a three. I, he's not thinking that, okay? I know it's funny and people want him to laugh and stuff like that. What's not funny? The fact of the matter is, Tori Lovello is not a good manager. He is not fit to be a manager in the Major League Baseball. I think he's proven that. Now, granted. I don't think that he's been given a very good roster of players. I feel like the the uh, the Diamondbacks team has continued. I mean, and it, look, this isn't just this year. This is not Mike. You know, the, the GM's fault. I mean, it's not a lot of a lot of people in that organization are not to blame for this. This has been years and years of snowball effect. Robbie Ray's up for an, a Cy Young award this year, for God's sakes. Okay, gave up on him. The list goes on and on, right? Diamondbacks fans understand this. Baseball fans know. Former Diamondbacks players go on to be great elsewhere. It's just, it's kind of like, kind of like the way Arizona Cardinals running backs used to be back in the day. If you were a Cardinals running back and you played for the Cardinals for a few years, you stunk. You go somewhere else, all of a sudden you're perennial thousand yards a year, <laughs> potential gold jacket. I mean, it's, it's it, it was it was comical for a long time. Get that way with the Diamondbacks. I mean, it's it, it's it's ridiculous. Again, I don't think Tori Lovello has a whole lot of help as far as players go, but certainly you got to you got to you know challenge that call, right? Nick Ahmed was safe. I'm a Giants fan. I'm watching. He's safe. He's safe at third. It was close. He was safe. It should have been challenged, and it would have been overturned, in my opinion. Didn't bother to, 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 to challenge. That's in the eighth inning of a game. What are you going to do, just sit there and not use your, your challenge? Well, that's what Tori Lovello decided to do. Also, Tori Lovello having Christian Walker out there playing first base in a vital and crucial moment in the game with the, with the game on the line. I understand that winning this game isn't going to be the end-all, be-all. It's not going to be the difference whether you make the, the wild card or not. But Christian Walker should not be playing first base. He shouldn't be out there in late-game situations. He's not a good fielder. He's out of position. Like it's 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 just a mess. I don't know if I I I don't think that Tori Lovello survives the end of the, you know this season. I don't think I don't think he'll be back as manager next year. That's just me just kind of guessing here. It has not gone well. It continues to get worse. This team has shown some fight lately, which is weird because for about a three and a half month stretch, four month stretch of the season, 
watching the Diamondbacks team just literally not look like they were completely indifferent about whether they won or lost. They, they had zero fight in them. I watched a bunch of games where I just was like, this team has zero fight. Zero. No interest in winning. <laughs> so, look, it was, it was just bad decisions last night. It, it, it probably cost them the game. Refused to challenge the play at third base. Leaving Christian Walker out there in a shift by himself on an island with a chance to make an error again. And it cost them the game. I thought it was uh, I thought it was interesting last night because it really was the first time that Giants fans have been able to see Madison Bumgarner back at, you know, at the ballpark, and they essentially stood stood on their feet and called him until he came out of the dugout and donned his cap for them. Look, as a Giants fan, I've been to a lot, I've been and I've been to a ton of Giants games in San Francisco. Um, I've been lucky enough to make some some really nice connections over the years and have some some really close friends in Major League Baseball. And um, some people on one of the teams, some friends that I have on on one of the Giants teams from a few years back were nice enough to give me their, uh, essentially their family tickets for a couple of the games for a series against the Diamondbacks. And I sat with the players' wives. Uh, it It was really interesting, actually. I sat... My uh, my wife at the time and I sat with the players' wives, and it was fun to just kind of watch them interact with their husbands on the on the on the field. And the most interesting interaction was with Madison Bumgarner and his wife Allie. We were sitting right behind Allie, and the almost the entire time he's on the mound, she's on Instagram or she's on Etsy and she's doing her thing and she's talking with the other wives and everything. And Madison Bumgarner in this particular game had a perfect game going through six. He was perfect through six. Uh, Jake Lamb broke it up with a bloop single in the in the uh, in like the seventh inning, and then uh, the the shutout was given up in the eighth off an error. It was an unearned run, but he he threw a two hit essentially no earned run game was just masterful. I think he struck out fourteen or fifteen that day. He, it was one of the best pitching performances I've ever seen in my entire life, and I saw all I saw a near perfect game. Uh, in a game the Giants had against San Diego 20 years ago. So I'm sitting there, and we're watching Allie interact with – or you know, just watch the game. Her husband is on the mound, having the game of his life, throwing a perfect game. She couldn't care less. As soon as he got into the on-deck circle, she put everything down and started to focus. Well, Madison Bumgarner, I think maybe the first time in his career, wore the golden sombrero that day. He struck out four times, over four with four strikeouts at the plate. But it didn't matter. He saw a perfect game. And she, she was the most disappointed person in the entire building. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. And, of course, Madison Bumgarner takes his, uh, his hitting very seriously, one of the best hitting pitchers, in, in, certainly in recent history. But uh, Giants fans acknowledging his, uh, his work with the Giants, and I thought it was really cool. It, there are certain fan bases across the country in Major League Baseball. St. Louis is certainly one of them. The, of the most aware fans in baseball, people who just love the game of baseball and, and recognize great players. St. Louis is one of them. San Francisco is absolutely one of them, one of the best fan bases in the entire country. And I'm not, like, I, I'm not saying that just because I'm a Giants fan. I, uh, you know, we have a bunch of jackass fans out there as well. But essentially calling Madison Bumgarner out of the opposing team's dugout to acknowledge him and give him a standing ovation was very special last night, both for – Madison and for the uh, for the home Giants crowd. Again, those two teams go at it again tonight. You can hear that right here at uh, 6 p.m. 
right here on ESPN Tucson as we pick up the, the live coverage of that game here tonight. All right. The time is now, 520-719-1490, 719-1490. We'll take caller. We're just going to do caller number one. Let's do it. Caller number one, the early bird gets the worm today. You're going to get a pair of tickets to go see FC Tucson take on Union Omaha this Saturday at 7 p.m. at Kino North. Call now, 719-1490. Caller number one going to win those tickets. We'll come back after this break. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Congratulations to Eric Leone. Eric Leone was our first caller that won himself those tickets to go see FC Tucson take on Union Omaha this Saturday, Kino Stadium North. Congratulations, Eric. Thank you for listening and uh, enjoy the game. <laughs> <laughs> I got to mention this. This list was just sent to me, and man, is it funny? I mean, this is this is really good stuff. So Jim Weber, uh, a guy by the name of Jim Jim Weber at Jim M Weber on Twitter, just posted the 2021 college football all name team. Okay, now these are these are guys with very unique or very cool or just funny names. This is great. Like, this is this is hilarious stuff. These are p- actual names in the media guides for these particular teams and players. At quarterback of the all name. This, this reminds me of, like, the Key and Peel stuff, right? Hilarious. One of my favorite skits ever. <laughs> At quarterback from Tyler Junior College, it's General Booty. Yeah, General Booty is his name. At running back from Kentucky, Kvosier Smoke. At the other running back position from Auburn, Tank Bigsby. At the tight end, it's John Michael Gillenborg. I guess that's the best they could do for tight end. Your wide receivers, though, from Tulane, Fat Watts. Fat, P-H-A-T, by the way. Fat Watts. And from Clemson, a name so great they gave it to him twice, Aju Aju. <laughs> that's the dude's name. Aju Aju from Clemson. You're starting offensive linemen. These are these are where it gets really good. This is this is fantastic stuff here. From Auburn, Bro Darius Ham. Bro Darius Ham. Western Michigan, this dude's got a cool name. Western Michigan offensive lineman, Dylan Death Rage. Sounds like a heavy metal band. <laughs> Dylan Death Rage. And maybe one of my favorite ones here. Offensive lineman from Appalachian State, folks. His name is Bear Hunter. Bear Hunter. Hunter. Then we have Gentle Williams at Cal, a Pac-12 action there. Dodge Saucer from Iowa State. The kicker, apparently from Greece, George Georgopoulos. I had some of these names I can't even say on the air without being, like, flagged by the FCC. The kicker's name is – I can't say this guy's name either. Defensive lineman from UAB, Fish McWilliams. Big Cat Bryant also on the defensive line for uh, Central Florida. That linebacker from Florida, Chief Borders. No, come on. No. This can't be this dude's name. I got to talk to my friend about it. My friend's an Arkansas grad. I got to talk to her about this. At Arkansas, linebacker Bumper Pool. Bumper Pool is his name. I got, <laughs> there's no way. 
That defensive back from North Carolina, Storm Duck. These are these are actual names on rosters, folks. Another defensive back, Auburn's got a, a lot of teams, a lot of guys on here. They're like their fourth guy. This guy's name is Smoke Monday. <laughs> Sounds like more like a. It's like there's Taco Tuesday and Throwback Thursday and Fish Fry Friday or something. I don't know. This is Smoke Monday. Which maybe he does on occasion. Another player from Wyoming. This guy's name is Buck Coors. Wonder if he's related to the Coors family. First name is Buck. And another defensive back from San Diego State. This family decided to uh, name their uh, their child after a, an island in the Pacific. New Zealand Williams. <laughs> I don't know which one's my favorite. Bumper pool? Are you kidding me? Bear hunter? Come on. <laughs> I was just having a conversation about this uh, with a friend yesterday, actually. It's kind of funny. We were talking about bad names that parents give their kids. And I went to school with a very unfortunate young man, um, and he he, had, he transferred out uh, like within like a few weeks. I went to school with a very unfortunate young man whose parents were not thinking when they gave him his name. And I'm not even going to repeat it on the air. I will tell you what his name was, but I'm not going to repeat. I'll let you figure it out. His last name was Hunt, okay, very, very common last name, and his parents decided to name him Michael. And it was very unfortunate for that young man, and he had to transfer out because everybody made fun of his name once we found out who he was. It was very unfortunate for the young man. I mean, I mean I've seen some great names, but good golly, General Booty. Aju, Aju, Brodarius Ham. How cool is that name? Bear Hunter, Dylan Deathrage. This is awesome stuff. I'll retweet this. This is funny. Yeah. Funny, funny stuff. Reminds me of that key, uh, the Key and Peel, the skit that they did that was just hilarious. So, so good. So creative out there. And really, some of those names aren't far off from these. Smoke Monday. Playing for Auburn this year. Taco Tuesday, Throwback Thursday, and Smoke Monday. There you go. You're all name team for the 2021 college football season. Coming up in hour number two, we're going to talk recruiting in the state of Arizona. What are the high school coaches saying about the institutions here? Some NBA Summer League action is heating up. Of course, NFL training camp news, quarterbacks, and other things going on out there. The NFL is going to be emphasizing stricter taunting rules. A lot of football talk coming up in hour number two. Stick around. We're right back after just a quick little two-minute break right here on the Jeff Dean Show. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson. 